Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Callagers, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, I am super excited to welcome Shannon McGarity, who is the co-director of our brand new design practice. Welcome, Shannon. Hi there. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. So today, we're going to give people a little sneak peek of uh, what's happening here with design, a little bit of more background about you, and a little bit of conversation, I think, about product and design and how powerful that combination can be when they're done right. Yeah. 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 Like, like multiplying the power times 10. Yes. When the superpowers (laughs) come together. So um, the first thing though, I would just give everybody a little bit of background about you, Shannon, and, and kind of how you got into this space. So I have been a designer of some sort for over the past 20 years. Um, I've had the benefit of working in a lot of different ecosystems and a bunch of different verticals. I often say I've done a lot of the design jobs. Um, so I you know, started doing illustration and visual design, then branding and interaction design. That's kind of that morphed to creative direction and then user experience design and then service design. So kind of a a long trail and history of of moving through different uh, design practices and disciplines, um, but also, you know, doing that in a number of different environments. So everywhere from health marketing to, um, you know, ISPs to entertainment organizations. And, and I guess most recently, um, over the past five years, I was working as the director, uh, a design director at a company called Cooper, which eventually became Design It. Um, and that was a strategic design consulting firm. And we did, um, we did, you know, we helped clients solve problems for their customers. And ultimately, um, we had an education uh, group as well at, uh, at Cooper slash Design It. So I was part of a company, uh, an organization called Cooper Professional Education. And we we took those practices, the things that we learned from our own practices, and empowered others to use those mindsets and tools in their own practices. One of the things I think is really interesting, and I, I found so interesting this whole process as we kind of brought you guys on board, is you know, and you say that you're focused on your your strategic group focused on solving problems. It's like, oh yes, oh wait, that's what we do, we right? Do yes. <laughs> and when you think about our instructors, like they became instructors here because they were so passionate about teaching people how to do this approach. So there was so much synergy there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only is there synergy in the fact that product management and design have these outside in practices um, that that use slightly different tools and, and, and methodologies and mindsets um, to get to that place of creating, solving pro- market problems and creating delightful experiences. But then on top of it, yeah, super cool to be able to share what you've learned over time um, through hard won, hard fought battles um, in the industry and and, and and maybe pave the way and make it easier for people to transform transform in their own careers. And is that why you were why you kind of made the switch? Uh, not the switch, but you extended from yes, I, I do design consulting, but also I really want to teach it. Is that what kind of gets you passionate about that? Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot I loved about doing design work for clients. Um, but one of the things that I found later in my career that that was amazing and a real um, 
game changer was we ended up facilitating a lot of workshops for clients. And in those workshops, you are exposing them to new tools and ideas and ways of collaborating. And you see, you get to see growth happen in those moments. And it's a little addictive. Um, and so, and so not only, you know, did I want more of those moments where people were expanding themselves, but also I just, you know, I was also at the same time, um, you know, making forays into teaching courses through Cooper. Um, and so I got to see both of those worlds. I'm like, I'm just going to lean into, um, you know, personal transformation a little bit more and organizational transformation a little bit more um, coming at it from, you know, empowering people. So I know, so you were at Cooper and I, I know a ton of our audience is, is familiar with Alan Cooper and, and the inmates are, are running the asylum and sort of his thinking about personas that's so key. Leaving from there and coming to Pragmatic, like what has you excited about doing sort of a design practice here? Well, one, I love, I love that, first of all, Pragmatic has done amazing things, um, you know, within the product uh, management community, right? Like they've really galvanized a group of people and helped them um, empower them um, to, to do the work that they want to do in the industry. And so um, I'm excited about, you know, connecting to that, to that power and that mission um, and harnessing that energy towards, you know, designers. But also I think, um, I think that there's so much opportunity, um, you know, having started a design practice, um, you're creating a space, a community for, um, for diverse perspectives and cross-functional collaboration in a way that I don't know that other organizations, other training organizations, learning-based organizations are doing. Um, not only that, but you have data science thrown into the mix as well. So I just love that we're not just swimming in, you know, a design practice space. It's design practice in connection with and in relation to other functions. That's that's going to be magical. Oh, 100%. And it's so funny even to watch now. Uh, you know, again, we talked about at the beginning, so much of the same sort of shared purpose and shared goal between design and product management. Yeah. Yeah. And that means... There is amplification when you work together, but it also means sometimes there's tension points, right? The sort of, um, you know, maybe you're used to being the only one who thinks that way in an organization. And I think watching you even here as we go through and work with, with sort of the, the product managers, our side and the SMEs work through those concepts because everyone is focused on the same thing, right? It's not really like you don't want to, but it's how do you align and see each other's vision so that you know you're working together and find the healthy tension points and avoid the others. We're we're going to get better because we are pushing each other to think in new and different ways. Um, and, and we're finding that here already. Um, we had a very design-specific perspective, right? And, and this requires us, this move requires us to be even more curious um, and take the powers of curiosity that we've been applying to clients and, and, and um, you know, customer problems and focus that here um, in, in a more um, zoomed-in place um, together with others. That's super rewarding already. <laughs> we're finding a lot of like the work that we're doing, the research that we've done. And then, you know, so much of that collaboration we've done with our, with our SMEs and product management team. Um, it's really pushed us um, to think about how design um, truly can connect and support um, with other practices. That's 
And I would say that the, the opposite is true as well, right? From the, the product lens, it's the same thing. It's you're thinking about how are you, how do you approach the problems differently? How do you really leverage all the resources there, right? And, and kind of make it successful. And so I think both sides is, is shifting in a very healthy way because we've got really good examples and models for what the best of both those roles can be. Yeah. And we're seeing that as we're you know, we're designing a new course right now um, for product managers that's design focused. And so we're eating our own dog food as we create that course. Um, it's not just coming at it from, you know, our design perspective of, you know, talking to users and trying to find out what they need and where the problems and, 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 and behave, you know, behaviors and opportunities are um, in their world. But we're also applying product management uh, tools and mindsets that, that we've learned and started to pull, um, you know, just by being, you know, connected within this new environment. So that's been expanding for us as well. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's come, oh, I have like 12 questions for you, oh. Shannon. I'm all excited. But first, since you teased it up a little bit, let's talk a little bit about the course you are creating, right? It's, uh, you know, we're going to have a design practice vertical, right? Focus on designers. But right now, Tell us a little bit about the project you're working on right now. Okay. The project we're working on right now, um, it is a design-focused course, TBD title, (laughs) and it is going to live inside the product management track. So that means it's focused on the problems um, of, of product managers and product marketing managers. We did research to better understand those groups because we admittedly did not know them very well. That's much much like most of our life in, in consulting, right? So we had to understand that better. And we found that there were a number of different problems. You know, we found patterns in those, in those conversations. And, you know, some of the problems um, are really truly focused on topics around collaboration and collaborating with designers and partnering with designers and, and better, um, you know, better leveraging what both of those practices can do together and actually creating understanding between those two practices. So it's interesting. One of the things we've learned was that, you know, over time, both designers and, and you know, product managers, PMMs too, um, they, they've employed this outside-in approach, this focus on people um, to their work, but they've been doing that in parallel for a really long time. And so, of course, they've been, you know, creating all these, you know, mindsets and processes and methodologies and tools that don't 100% match up. So when you get to a situation, you know, a real life context where you've got a a PM potentially working with a design team, um, sometimes the vocabulary is different and sometimes the tools are different and sometimes the process doesn't match up. So that's one of the things we found really broadly in our research was, oh, there's some tension um, between the expectations of what design can do and what product managers do and and where, where are those touch points, where are those really useful places for collaboration um, and, and understanding what each team can bring to the mix. So that's one of the, the places that we're going to be focusing on in, in the new course. I love that. And I also love the fact that it's that collaboration isn't just sort of upfront, the roles and responsibilities, which is key. And it's something we touch on in all of our courses, yep. but it's that communication and connection in the feedback loops. Right. Because that's where often the tension lies, but also the magic lies. Right. 
Yeah. We talk, uh, we recently, um, my uh, co-director Jim Dibble and I wrote an article about this idea of um, black boxes, you know, the black box of design. It can feel very mysterious, right? What happens in there? And and so sometimes um, because of the way organizations function or are structured, um, sometimes product management has to pass off or do a just a straight handoff to design. And then design has this black box that they work on in. And then you know, you you put in the requirements, you put in the positioning statement, and boom, something amazing is supposed to come out. Um, unfortunately, if 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 design is a black box and you don't have feed loops, feedback loops, and you don't have intentional places for collaboration and communication, oh man, there's a bunch of you know missed expectations that can happen when that thing does come out of the box. So I think part of this course is really about demystifying what happens in in design and. And, and frankly, you know, and vice versa, like helping product managers to communicate to designers, like what, what their needs are and what they bring to the table so that, so everybody understands, um, you know, particularly in those moments of feedback where, where people's strengths lie. Okay. So another thing I want to talk about, because it was, um, I don't know that it was a source of confusion, but it did cause some communication gaps when you guys brought you on board, right? Was we were like, it's design. And some people were like, oh, it's, you know, graphic design. And some people were like, oh, you mean UX design. And some people were like, oh, design thinking. You know, I, I think there are, as you as you have taught me, a bunch of different types of designers. But can you talk a little bit about sort of the, the, the bucket we're thinking about here or what we mean when we talk about that here a little bit and then how that might relate to design thinking uh, as a concept? Oh, that is a multitude question. Okay, um, so first, thinking about um, what areas of design we're kind of going to be broaching um, within the context of this course. I think when we talk about design in this course, we're talking about product design, and there are a lot of different practices that feed into product design. So visual designers feed into product design, um, UX designers, user experience designers feed into that. Um, if you go a little bit further out, you know, we, we could talk about service design too, but I think it's about um, designers that are um, trying to solve um, user problems um, and better understand where there's opportunity to um, frame problems so that they can, um, they can deliver the best ideas and prototype them and test them over time. It's not just how do I use the product? It can be how do I, the whole experience inside and outside the product that can be designed to max, to solve the problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, oftentimes brands encompass multiple products or they, or there's a product that encompasses multiple channels and touch points that a customer um, a customer is is engaging with all of these different ways to interact with with your organization. Um, it might be an app, it might be a website. There might be you know in the case of banking, you might um, drive up to a teller. These are all or or you know to a uh, to an ATM and all of these products, all of these channels and touch points have to be orchestrated um, together so that they deliver a, um, an experience that is consistent. Um, and so when we talk about service design, we're truly talking about orchestrating all of these different channels and touch points together to deliver a consistent and you know delightful uh, experience for the customer. Yeah. Which I mean, I, I think for some people is just a shift, right? So 
So I'm going to be, I'm going to be like direct with our audience right now. Cause they're my peeps. But like, if you're trying to stick your designer in a bucket, that's just focused on wireframes and those pieces, you're missing out on this type of thinking that is so much more broad and is such a partner along the way. Yeah. And Hey, Listen, there are so many different types of designers that sometimes cross multiple practices. That's where it gets confusing, right? Um, you know, there are some designers that are truly, you know, visual designers. Maybe they have a brand focus. There are some designers that are user experience designers. They're very focused on digital products. Um, there are some people um, that, that are truly focused on services and, and, and orchestrating multiple touch points and channels over time. There are some people that do all those things mind blown, right? Because how do you, <laughs> how do you know what to expect um, from the designers that you're working with? And, you know, the short answer is ask them, ask them what they're interested in and what their capabilities are. Don't make assumptions. Like that's, that's a thing that we, that we don't want to do in, in design, right? Is make assumptions about people. So how do we apply curiosity, not just to designers, but like, gosh, designers need to know what product managers, you know, there are lots of different types of product managers too, right? Um, so there's so much diversity in the world. How do we bridge that gap? It's a great clarity, right? So I guess my point would be, don't assume that that's the only place they can interact. And I would also, to your point, Connor, for the designers listening, like don't assume that these product managers haven't been steeped in research, right? That they don't have good insights, that they that they only are focusing on the end requirements and those and those pieces, right? Like really explore these relationships because when you find good matches, yeah, it's again an amplifier. Yeah, people gotta talk. Yeah. <laughs> to talk together um, and, and not in the context of, oh my gosh, we're in the middle of a project, um, you know, because nobody has time for that. You have to do it. You have to be intentional before the project happens. And, you know, like a good example of this, um, of kind of that frustration or tension, it's one of the problems that we uncovered in research, right? Um, sometimes um, there are some product managers that might um, work with a designer on an embedded designer on their team who doesn't understand why they're not being invited to participate in user research, in their Nihito research, because they have a background um, in, in user research, where ethnographic research, where they've gone out and they've got a whole host of different tools and processes to be able to understand customers and users. So, um, so there can be that moment of, of friction, like, wait a minute, I can help you. And that, you know, we, we want to promote growth in this world, right? So, so <laughs> you you know, to be able to, to say, hey, you've got all of these skills and you can't use them. You can only be a wireframe designer. Like that's that's frustrating to designers. And I'm assuming that it must be frustrating to product managers. We heard that too, that like, oh, wait a minute. Why are we not being called upon to add our own expertise um, further into, into the process? Like I would love to be a part of ideation. Huh. I think there's that. And I also think the other thing that came up in the research a little bit was frustration because, because they hadn't brought the designers in, it also felt like to them that the designers didn't believe what they gave them. Like, I just did all this research and now you want to go back again, not understanding that it's going at it at a slightly different perspective and for a slightly different outcome. It just feels like 
that's nice that you did research, but it's not real research and we're going to do it again. And you're like, wait. (laughs) Yeah. Because again, there are different ways and different tools and methods that these two groups of people are getting to understand um, those market problems. I mean, designers don't usually call them market problems, right? They just call them user, you know, you know, user problems or user pain points, et cetera. And they have this whole rigor around the way that they approach you know, interviewing people and and then synthesizing that information and getting to insights. And so that can be frustrating for product managers who are like, wait, why are they pushing me on this? Like, you know, about the rigor that I've applied to this work. Um, It's just because they don't, nobody knows what the other person is doing. And so where is their opportunity to create some transparency? Not be so focused on ownership, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's opportunity to say, "Oh, I can learn something from you know the way design designers go about ethnographic research," and maybe designers can learn something about, "Oh, wait a minute, if I think about this through the lens of market problems, and and maybe you know." about prioritizing um, those market problems through impact on the business. Oh gosh, like harmony starts to become achieved. Now let's dig in on the design thinking a little bit, because that is a term we hear, uh, I think in the industry a lot, and it has lots of different implications to lots of different people. And, you know, I, I think one of the things you see with design thinking is it being a business philosophy versus necessarily a practice. But, but I would love to kind of like get your thoughts on it. Well, let's, let's hear from you, Shannon, kind of about that and how it fits in. So I guess the easiest way to explain it is like going through like my personal trajectory of how, of how that happened um, for me or how I got exposed to the concept of design thinking. So when I got to Cooper back in uh, 2015, um, my world kind of expanded exponentially because prior to that, I'd really been, you know, I'd, I was solving problems that that I perceived to be true um, through a natural, you know, a natural empathy for people, um, you know, a, a certain intuition um, and experience, um, and you know, maybe being steeped uh, as a subject matter expert in a, in a, a specific uh, place. Um, I had these, you know, developed all these principles and best practices um, over time. And so when I got to when I got to Cooper, all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're doing. We're leaning into human-centered design. That was, you know, and actually Alan Cooper coined the term goal-directed design. So we were focused on goal-directed design. And what did that mean? Well, it was about, you know, applying generative design research. So gaining empathy through research um, with customers or users, um, doing modeling. So um, telling stories through, you know, from the research that we, um, that, that we conducted, um, ideating, prototyping, testing. And the thing is, we never called that design thinking. <laughs> it just, that wasn't what it was called. We, it was design or goal-directed design. So by the time that I transitioned from consulting um, uh, totally to education, uh, Cooper Professional Education had had essentially started to say, hey, oh, design thinking has become very popular. It's a great set of, it's a great set of mindsets and tools for cross-functional teams and to, to, solve problems with a user-centered focus. Um, And it was really, it was a diplomatic way of opening up all of these tools that designers typically use um, and and truly create um, a framework for anybody, not just designers, but anybody in organizations to start solving problems. So if you think about the five mindsets of design thinking, it's empathize. Um, So you've got to research, right? Um, You define. 
So you have to think about, you know, what does my user need and, and, you know, gather insights and try to decide like, oh, what, what is the framing of the problem? And then you're ideating. So, okay, we are trying to come up with as many ideas as possible, you know, going broad before we converge. Um, you want to prototype. So um, before you invest, you need to try something out and then test it. So you have these five mindsets of design thinking and they mapped super well to what we were doing in our practices as, as you know, either goal-directed designers or human-centered designers. And, and, and there's no friction there. It's just, you know, I, I don't refer to myself as a quote, a design thinker. I'm a designer um, and I, um, I educate um, around design thinking principles um, uh, across different functions and, and, and practices. So that's kind of how I've created the, the difference for myself. Design is this practice and design thinking is a way to bring um, people together, you know, on an outside in approach um, to solving problems. Well, and I think uh, uh, it's not a perfect analogy, right? But when we talk about being market driven, something we talk about a ton on the product management vertical, yeah. right? Versus like that's, Every, you want the whole organization to be, but let's talk about that, right? It's not a, it's not a product management effort. It is a company effort. It's a cultural mind shift, but yeah. still then we have to translate that into functions that different roles we're going to do in that. Right. And so there's both sort of a, a philosophy piece and then, okay, there's sort of the, the, the tax of it and how we're going to move forward. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also, again, the magical part of where I think, you know, pragmatic has, has so much opportunity, right? Because, you know, there are, there are companies that are very design thinking focused. Um, and, and that is the framework by which they've, they've, you know, decided to innovate. Um, and then you've got sometimes, you know, well, you've got engineering focused organizations, um, maybe agile lean methodologies, et cetera. And then you've got product managers and, and product, product, um, product driven organizations. And, and so they all have these different, they all have these different um, methods and tools. And, and I think there's some competition sometimes in how those things fit together. And there's just this great opportunity to find out where those places can met, where those, those practices can mesh better and actually not compete. I think that's going to be where, you know, the, the sweet spot of, of the, the work we developed together. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go in a little exploratory area because I know you know, uh, as we brought you on board just a couple months ago, very focused on getting this first course uh, created for product management about the design function and we think about the design vertical, but, but, but data, right? I mean, that's another thing about data. Data is so, the amount of data that people have in organizations is sort of mind blowing. The ability to actually analyze and capitalize and share that data is greatly outpaced <laughs> by the amount of data we have. Really thinking about the problems we can solve with data and also thinking about telling the story of data because it's one thing to be able to build a great model and for someone to be able to say, well, this is, uh, you don't even know enough of the, the terms right there, right? So to, to be like, this is a great model and here's all the, the proof points, but to be able to, to translate that into a story both of those seem like such great connection points that we get to explore between design and data. Yeah. And so I will, you know, plus one you on that and say that um, data doesn't do much unless there's some sense making. <laughs> 
that, that occurs, right? And so before you even get to storytelling, you have to understand um, what's there and what's possible and what is the right story to tell. Um, what is the ethical story to tell? Um, because you can you can manipulate data to tell lots of different stories. I mean, we've seen that you know in in many different ways in the current you know uh, political cycle, right? So so what you know what what stories should we be telling, and and how should we be telling them, and and are we telling those stories to persuade, um, um, and and to you know to activate um, some kind of um, work. Yes. Yes, that's true. So I think that, um, I think that's super exciting for us as designers. Um, because, you know, if you, if you pull it back even to, you know, that, that PowerPoint that someone, you know, that you saw in some meeting, uh, that was just like, oh my gosh, there's just so much information here. And there's, you can see that, oh, if this data was just, 90% of it was thrown out and you could just focus on the meaningful stuff, what a difference that makes in persuading people um, to take action um, or to buy into um, the work that you're going to do. So I think there's just so much opportunity there and can't wait to explore it. Shannon, we talked about lots of different things today. Oh, bye. You yeah. are going to have listeners do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today. Okay. What would that be? Oh gosh, um, two different things. I would say number one, for anybody, designers, product managers, data scientists, understanding is crucial. Go out there and have a conversation. Do do some nihito with your designers um, and 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 talk to them and see see where their head is at. Like what what do they think they're bringing to the table and how could they be leveraged um, better in the process? Have conversations. Maybe it's a common conversation, you know, maybe it's something more, you know, more, more structured, um, whatever it is, um, you know, to have like to make them feel psychologically safe <laughs> that they're not being called to the mat to like um, to to speak for themselves, but more like it's a two way conversation. I think that's number one. Building on that, I would say where where is there opportunity in your in your practice where you need or would love to have a partner in crime, where you would love to have support um, in, in the work that you're doing, um, where, where can you see partnerships? Like maybe doing a little bit of self-auditing about like, is, is there, are there other people that I could bring into this that, that might help them buy into the process or um, ultimately, um, I don't know, supercharge how, how you solve those market problems. Right. Great advice. Uh, and Shannon, this was an awesome uh, conversation. I really, really appreciate having you on today. And now that you're here with us, I bet it will not be the last time. I would love to uh, come back. This conversation has been so easy, so wonderful. All right. That does it for today's episode. Uh, we've got some great more articles coming out in the next issue of the magazine, kind of about this topic, product and design. Keep your eyes open, of course, for the announcement of the of the course um, and when you'll be able to take it. We're, we're excited uh, to go through. And if you're also interested in being part of the beta process for that, you know, uh, 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 listeners full of product managers are a great place to get feedback. So please feel free to reach out. Uh, the probably easiest one to spell is experts at pragmaticinstitute.com. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. This was really fun. That does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. 
And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to elevate your product, your company, and your career. 